Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. And now you can download the new app, KDOS 1060, for Apple and Android users. We're going to pop on out to the KDOS hotline, joined by Scott Miller, contributor to New York Times and Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. Scott, appreciate the time on the program today. How you doing, Kayla? Always uh, nice to talk to you from Arizona. Yeah, it's happy. It's good to have you here. Unfortunately, it's only going to be like a nice day today, and then it's supposed to get rainy and cold again. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I just uh, I just got here over the weekend, and I, I I knew last week it was cold. And of course, I live over in San Diego, and a lot of times you guys end up getting the weather a day after we get it as it heads this way. And it has been about as cold as I can recall since I in the twenty three years I've lived in. San Diego. It's been chilly and rainy, and uh, of course we need the rain. But you know, when 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 spring training starts, uh, it's time to move beyond the chilly stuff and let's get warm. <laughs> I 100% agree. Uh, well, let's first start with something here in, in kind of like an homage to uh, Tim McCarver. The news came out on February 16th about his passing. He, of course, had a long career, impact in the game of baseball as well, playing from 1959 to 1980, broadcasting games on Fox from 1996 to 2013. So from your perspective, what made McCarver so special about breaking down pitches, sequences, bringing the audience into understanding what the strategy was in the biggest of games? Well, it was a combination of things, I think, Kayla. You know, he, he played so long, and as a catcher, he knew the game so well. And, and, and you know, I always – one of the first things I think of him besides his broadcasting is, you know, he was a – called for the Phillies and Cardinals, of course, but he and, uh, he and Bob Gibson developed an incredibly close relationship. And, you know, we all know what a comp- fierce competitor Bob Gibson was. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, he, he didn't suffer fools, uh, you know, on the field or off the field. And the fact that, um, that, the, that, that, McCar- that McCarver was so favored by Gibson, um, you know, it, it was just they had a special relationship. And, and, you know, I would have loved to sit down and talk with Tim Carver, you know, hear chapter and verse of what it was like to work with Bob Gibson. Um, but beyond that, uh, most everybody – especially now knows him from his broadcasting and you know the, the one he, his passion he was he knew the game um passion for the game loved to talk about the game and was so insightful um and probably you know one of the epitomes there are a lot of tim carver stories but you know one of the uh one of the epitomes um it, you know, goes back to the Diamondbacks-Yankees World Series in uh, 2001 in Game 7, and he was in the booth. And, um, you know, was there at the end, Game 7, last inning, the pivotal uh, Luis Gonzalez at bat. And before Rivera um, made the pitch, Mariano Rivera, the Yankees' closer, um, McCarver in the booth uh, mentioned that Derek Jeter, Joe Torrey had pulled the infield in, and Derek Jeter shortstop was in, and McCarver pointed out that that's while that's a natural thing to do to try to you know prevent the run from scoring, um, that he noted that that Mariano Rivera's uh, cutter moves in on lefty hitters and often breaks their bats. So you got to watch for a potential flare, broken bat flare to the shallow outfield, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, a minute later, the the cutter came, broke. Gonzalez's bat, 
short flare to the outfield, drops in. Of course, the Diamondbacks win it, and, and it goes down forever in, in, in Phoenix sports history. And, and, you know, they toppled the Yankees. But, you know, that, that's probably, you know, if you're a broadcaster, it, it, Tim McCarver saw things before they happened, and that's one reason he was so good. You know, did he kind of set the standard? You're talking about how good he is at being able to see things before it happened. Did he sort of set the standard and now what we expect from our analysts and what makes a great analyst today? That's right. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it reminds me a little bit, you know, I don't watch as much NFL as a lot of people do, but I do know that, um, you know, Tony Romo has been has been praised lately uh, for being one of the best out there, and for that reason, like he can break down games and and see, you know, he'll tell you, you know, based on a defensive formation or an offensive formation, what's going to happen. And I know I've read so much that Tony Romo is uncannily correct so often when he says what's about to happen, and you know, so that, that's some of what we see in modern day. Uh, television today. I think you get a little bit of that from John Smoltz, you know, in the booth at the World Series. Um, you know, Smoltz is able to, to you know, talk about the likelihood of something happening before it happens. But, you know, you're right. I, I think McCarver was probably in on the ground floor of uh, opening people's eyes to what, what, what you know, th- to that in- style of insightful broadcasting. The voice there of Scott Miller, contributor to New York Times and Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. Uh, let's switch gears here to the World Baseball Classic. It is set to take place March 7th through March 21st. How does this impact pitchers who would be using this time in spring training to ramp up? Are managers going to be managing more like a spring training game for these guys so their arms are ready to go in the regular season and not impacted later on in the year? Yeah, I mean, managers in the World Baseball Classic will be conservative with pitchers because the the greatest fear of everybody is, um, you know, injuries. That, that, you know, nobody – first of all, the teams that are sending their pitchers off to the World Baseball Classic are really nervous about the pitchers coming back healthy. And, you know, the World Baseball Classic – uh, managers and coaches are aware of that, and they don't want to be the ones to send a pitcher back to a team injured. Um, I remember when Jim Leland coached or managed the United States several years ago in, in the World Baseball Classic, and you know he he had uh, uh, he had very uh, in depth talks with the managers and staff of the each team he had a pitcher from, and, and they they came up with a game plan for that pitcher. You know, he was very aware, and he assured the managers, look, I, my goal is to send this pitcher back to you in the same shape I got him in. And, you know, the trick is for the pitchers, obviously, the World Baseball Classic is very competitive, and, you know, your, your natural competitive juices are going to flow. And so the worry is that a pitcher will get all amped up and be throwing too many pitchers to throw too hard before he's ready to um so that'll be the biggest thing they watch but yeah they, they, there'll be some conservative handling of pitchers and um you know i don't know about managing probably similar to a spring training game i mean a you know a starting pitcher early on he might go three or four innings rather than six innings in, in a world baseball classic game 
From a World Baseball Classic perspective, what's the view on it? Does it mean a whole lot to Major League Baseball players? I mean, so I come from a background of golf, and, like, the Olympics were never part of golf when I was, you know, playing the game. So it's more the majors are what's important. When it comes to Major League Baseball and winning a World Series, that obviously is the pinnacle. So where does the World Baseball Classic fall into the level of importance? You know, it's grown, I think, in important. It's always been important for the people that run Major League Baseball. You know, from the time it started, you know, the whole internationalization of the game. And, and of course, you know, people who run these things always see money. And, and, you know, let's not fool ourselves. You know, big reason it started was, you know, the more baseball can can grow the game in countries you know like france and the netherlands and and china you know the more money there is to be made in selling merchandise and just increasing interest um obviously it's already very important very um, popular in japan and in the dominican republic and some of the latin american countries but you know it's all about growing the game so it's always been important to major league baseball itself but the players you know it took several years to get them on board i, I think last World Baseball Classic was 2017, and you know we all remember Adam Jones going up over the wall. That great catch he made against Manny Machado um, to save the home run. They were at the time they were teammates with the Orioles. Um, Marcus Stroman pitching the United States to its first ever World Baseball Classic, you know, win championship. That was in 2017. I think that opened some players' eyes. Um, I would say to your question, Kayla, back in the first World Baseball Classic, 06, it was more of a curiosity, you know, 09 or whenever the next one was. It was still kind of a curiosity. Some players were interested, some weren't. But I think with the U.S. winning that championship, that helped. And I think the players that played, especially that year in 2017, um, they all had such a great experience that when they came back to their teams, you know, they talked about how great it was. And I think that helped spread the enthusiasm. And now this year you see like Mike Trout's playing and he's never played in a world baseball classic before uh, you're seeing, you know, I think that's, you know, Trout hasn't done anything outside the angels. He doesn't do home run derbies at the all-star game. And I think the fact that Trout is, is playing this year and he's a captain it, to me, that's, that's an individual example of how much uh, things have changed within the player ranks and that they're now, very, uh, you know, more often than not interested in playing in the World Baseball Classic. That doesn't mean everybody is, but um, I think the enthusiasm level has definitely increased. And another one, you know, is is Clayton Kershaw, um, you know, who's not going to be playing. He was going to be playing in his first World Baseball Classic, and he wanted to play. And, and you know, the Dodgers gave him permission, and, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, was the first one to – I mean, he took the initiative – but then, of course, now we see in the last week he had to scratch because, you know, the other uh, hard truth to face is, you know, some of these players with the big giant contracts have to get insurance uh, because if Kershaw were to get hurt during the World Baseball Classic and be lost to the Dodgers, the Dodgers don't necessarily want to pay his contract if he gets hurt elsewhere. So they get, like, bridge insurance contract uh, uh, policies, and Kershaw couldn't get one, and, and that's why he ended up scratching. But, you know, his – the will was there for him. And so, to, yeah, to answer your question, that's another example I would use is ter- in terms of, you know, guys are uh, more, I think, 
know what it is more and are more interested in participating than they were 10 years ago. Scott Miller, contributor to the New York Times, as well as you can hear him on Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network. So for the Arizona Diamondbacks here, young players like Corbin Carroll are expected to have a major impact. Over your years of covering baseball, how have you seen young players with a lot of promise typically handle coming up to the big leagues? I know he had some some time before the end of the year finished last year, so now this is going to be his first start in uh, getting things started for him in Major League Baseball. But is there a bit of a slow period? Do they eventually kind of hit a rookie wall? What have you kind of seen from rookies who have big expectations and are supposed to be major contributors to clubs? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies. Different people come along. They, there are different timetables for, for different players. And, you know, everybody's kind of on their individual timetable. And you know, I've seen guys that, that step into the major leagues and hit go right away. And, 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 and it, it's great. And then others with big expectations that takes them two or three times to land on their feet and fulfill those expectations. Um, you know, I, I like with Carroll that, you know, Diamondbacks, like you say, he got his feet wet last year. And I think that's helpful in terms of, um, of uh, you know, the September call-up thing can be helpful in that when a player like Carroll comes into spring training this year and then theoretically, assuming if he breaks the, you know, breaks camp with, with the Diamondbacks in, on opening day, um, it's not his very first taste. You know, the, the first road trip, uh, what should I wear on the charter plane? Uh, you know, how do we handle, you know, go out to eat? What, 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 what are certain road cities like? A lot of that he will have been through from, from that taste in September. And, and, you know, he might not have been to every ballpark in every, every road city, but, you know, everything from what, what's it like in a big league clubhouse to how should I act to what should I wear on the plane? A lot of that stuff now is answered and he's got, he's going to come in and just have to worry about the baseball part of it and not, uh, you know, some of the ancillary questions are going to be answered. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I think that that's why it's such a smart move by Diamondbacks to, to bring him up last year and get his feet wet because some, especially with a big prospect that you're asking about, Gayla, um, the more you can introduce him, especially at the end of a year like last year where there's not a ton of pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they brought him into a pennant race. It was just like, here, let's come on up. Uh, get you know, t- breathe a little bit, get a few tastes of the majors, and then you know, go from there. And I, I think that'll help give him a little bit of a running start into this year. From the outside looking in, did you like what the Diamondbacks did in the off season? The expectation of the younger players, some of the trades and moves that they made, in addition to hopefully getting some other guys back healthy this year, uh, did the expectations increase for this club? Yeah, I think to a degree, and it's going to be interesting. Um, um, you know. I know, uh, you know, even over at Dodgers camp the other day, you know, Dave Roberts talking about the Dodgers finally aren't expected to just walk away with this division. Uh, most of the questions were about the Padres and what they've done. And, you know, they're, they seem to be really primed to give um, the Dodgers a run. But anyway, in assessing the National League West, you know, Roberts mentioned, he said, you know, look, you know, teams have improved, and he specifically mentioned the Diamondbacks are, are better, and they, they were getting better last year, and they're continuing to get better. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I think that that after some hard times, I think some of the young players they have in place are solid. The moves they made, I think, 
you know, uh, they, they should be better. They should be competitive this year. Um, are they in position to win the division? I don't think so. But um, I think anything less than, competi- than being competitive uh, on a night-to-night basis is going to be a disappointment, uh, you know, for Tori Labello and his crew. Scott Miller, you can hear him, Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. You mentioned you're going to be out at the uh, Cubs facility today. So when we look at this this Cubs team, big-time signing in Dansby Swanson, what are the expectations for him? Does he continue that success we saw with the Braves? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, he's a good player, no doubt about it. Um, it'll The big trick with him, I think, will be any player – when you change teams, there's that unfamiliarity in the beginning, and different players adapt to that differently. You know, I mean, we've seen certainly a number of players sign as big free agents that have gotten off to disappointing starts with their new team. You know, there's a lot of pressure, both financially and in the clubhouse. I mean, Dansby's looked at as a leader. Um, you know, so there's they're going to be a certain level of both of play and leadership that he's going to have to live up to. Now, you know, he's a smart guy. He's had a great experience in Atlanta. I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll uh, be a really good move for the Cubs. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're kind of at a crossroads. They've been under 500 the last two years, but they, they've got a couple, you know, their younger players like Nico Horner and Ian Happ that they think, um, you know, they, they, they've been, they think showed enough promise that they went out and signed some free agents. But, yeah, it's like five of the nine everyday players they just signed this year. They're, so, I mean, it's interesting, they, you know, kind of that patching together the roster with free agents, uh, you know, beyond Swanson, you know, Cody Bellinger is, uh, is in the Cubs outfield, Eric Hosmer is at first base, they signed Trey Mancini, um, they signed the catcher Tucker Barnhart, so, um, you know, how all those pieces fit together, we'll see, but, you know, at any rate, the Cubs should be more interesting and probably more competitive than they have been in the last two or three years. Before I let you go here today, Scott, appreciate the time. Can't ignore the American League. Uh, so the Astros do lose Justin Verlander to the Mets, uh, but they are they still the king of the American League right now until maybe the Yankees can surpass them? Well, what they've done the last several years, I think there's no doubt that you uh, you look at the, the Astros as, you know, it's their league until they're at the top of the mountain until somebody knocks them off um i know they lost verlander but um you know you saw in the world series last year my goodness i mean pitchers like you know christian javier who threw the you know started that combined no hitter against the phillies in the world series uh, jose or Urqu- um they've got some young they're just loaded with good young arms so anytime you have that kind of pitching i think um, you know, they're not going to fall off too much. I know Dusty Baker famously said, hey, um, I'm coming back this year because I've always said if I ever win one World Series, I want to win a second. So, you know, he's primed for a chance to defend their championship. And, um, you know, the other thing with Houston, look at all the players they've lost the last few years. I mean, they lost George Springer to free agency when he signed with Toronto. Carlos Correa left, uh, signed with the Twins. And, you know, with each of those losses, like, geez, you know, they've got to come back to the pack here pretty soon. But, They've been able to absorb those losses and still, you know, play as, you know, maintain that championship pedigree. And now they're challenged to do it again, losing Verlander. But, um, you know, the division's getting better. Seattle, of course, won 90 games last year. Um, Texas has spent some money with on free agency, you know, and not just that, but interesting bringing in Bruce Bochy to manage this year and Mike Maddox as pitching coach. Um, 
you know, the Angels think they're better. So I think it's kind of a little bit like the Dodgers in the National League West. I, I say Houston's still the team to beat, but the gap is has narrowed, and there's some other teams that could, uh, you know, if things go right, they could unseat the Astros. Scott, really appreciate you taking some time to join the program today, and I'm sure we'll be doing this again here real soon. My pleasure, Kayla. Thank you, and uh, take care. Say hi to Bob. I definitely will. Scott Miller there, contributor to New York Times and SiriusXM Major League Baseball Network.